Welcome to the Clothe with the Sun podcast. We have a daily reading of the gospel and a brief meditation. My name is James Thomas. Today is Tuesday, March 21st, the fourth week of Lent, Tuesday of the fourth week of Lent. And our gospel today is from the gospel according to John. There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem at the Sheep Gate a pool called in Hebrew Bethesda, with five porticos. In these lay a large number of ill, blind, lame, and crippled. One man was there who had been ill for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I am on my way, someone else gets down there before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your mat and walk. Immediately the man became well, took up his mat and walked. Now that day was a Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who was cured, Is it? It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to carry your mat. He answered them, The man who made me well told me, Take up your mat and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who told you, Take it up and walk? The man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away, since there was a crowd there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple area and said to him, Look, you are well. Do not sin any more, so that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went and told the Jews that Jesus was the one who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews began to persecute Jesus because he did this on a Sabbath. So this is a beautiful story in the TV show, The Chosen, season two. I just keep telling everybody, you have to watch that show. Uh, There was an episode on this particular passage, and it was just extremely moving. This poor man had been sick his whole life. He was in a horrible amount of pain, and you could just see the pain in his face. It was acted out very well. And Jesus could have cured him on any other day, but he went when the Father inspired him and happened to be on a Sabbath. And I forget the quote exactly, but it was something to the effect of, well, sometimes the Father desires us to stir up more than just waters. The Father wants us to really stir things up, to get things moving to establish the kingdom. But anyway, I wanted to focus today while reading and meditating on this reading about the interaction between Jesus and the crippled man. First of all, Jesus asks him, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? It's a good question that Jesus can ask each of us. Some of us don't think there's anything wrong with us. There's two types of people in the world, those who know that they're sick and get help for it, and those who don't. But everybody needs the doctor. Everybody has their issues, as we can say, in one form or another. Everybody certainly has sin. But Jesus wants us to participate in the healing. He does not force himself upon us, whether we're talking about healing, whether we're talking about faith, even regarding salvation. 
Jesus wants us to choose it. Jesus wants us to ask for the things that we need, even the very good things that he wants to give us. Do you want to get well? And what's interesting is that the sick man doesn't exactly answer the question. Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool, etc. Somebody gets down there before me every time. And this has been happening for years, by the way. And then Jesus heals him. Now, that's so interesting because the man didn't answer his question. In the show, Jesus and the man go back and forth. But in the gospel passage, he does not answer the question. I guess indirectly he does. He says, I'm trying to get down to that water thinking that the water will heal him, the water in the pool. But Jesus wants us to express our needs, but he also wants us to express our pain. And this is what the man does. Sometimes God answers our prayers, not because we spell it all out for him, but because we express the desires of our hearts to him. We tell him, this is how I'm hurting. This is what I need. Lord, I can't do it. So he doesn't exactly say, help me to get well, make me well. But he expresses his pain to Jesus. Pope John Paul talks about this a great deal in his Theology of the Body, the desires of the heart. Not too long ago, I had a class on the philosophy of Pope John Paul II, and I had never quite learned his philosophy. It's funny because the first couple sessions of the class, we just talked about the history of philosophy. I read a lot of that. I studied a lot of that in school, maybe not all of it. The last couple sessions of the class, we talked about love and responsibility and some of the Holy Father's other writings and talks. And I had read these things before, and I love to read about them and learn about them, but still it was all, it was things that I had learned before. But there was this one session where we talked about the philosophical transition. And I know this might be a little heady for some of our listeners. I'm sorry for that, but I'm just trying to make a point here that very much impacted me as I was learning about this. And now it's forever going to impact the way I talk about these things. That when Pope John Paul was a younger man and he was studying philosophy, he studied various great philosophers, and one in particular was Dietrich von Hildebrand, who you can find his books. He was a great philosopher and spiritual writer in the early part of the 20th century. And one thing that von Hildebrand said in his writings was that there's actually a sixth level of the human soul. Thomas Aquinas had to find five, the things making us human being the intellect and the will. Now, I know some people that swear by St. Thomas. Of course, we're not supposed to swear. Um, you know, they might get upset to hear me talking about this. They might have been upset to hear Pope John Paul and Dietrich von Hildebrand talking about it. Yet, we would look at this as a development of our understanding of the faith. And once again, Thomas Aquinas talking about the levels of the soul and how we have an intellect which is the fourth level, only belonging to human beings. And we have a will, free will. That's the fifth level. So we get to heaven based on our choices, and we choose based according to what we know to be right and wrong. And this is great. I love to study Thomas Aquinas, and this is fantastic material. But von Hildebrand, and then later Pope John Paul II said, no, 
there's a little bit more to it. We have to include our desires. We have to include our emotions. Von Hildebrand said there's another whole level here. And Pope John Paul reflects this in his book, Love and Responsibility, when he talks about the levels of relationship, about how, yes, we need to make choices. Yes, we need to know the other person. But there's also the emotions and the desires, and they're important too. And that sometimes we need to work on our desires to bring them in line with God. Sometimes we need to work on the emotions. But still, there are desires and emotions that are within us because that is also part of what it means to be a human being, not just to be thinking the right way and acting the right way, but we feel certain ways, and these are important. Not that we rule our lives by our emotions. Well, I did it because it felt good. That's what we hear so many people in the world saying. That's not what it's all about. But, I mean, there's so many ramifications of this. Let's say, for example, discerning one's vocation. Well, discernment of a vocation isn't simply an intellectual exercise. Well, so-and-so told me I should do this, therefore I'm going to do it. Or, well, this is the best thing, therefore I'm going to do it. Or this is something I'm good at, even, even though those are important things. But even the great spiritual writers, I think of St. Francis de Sales, for example, would say, we follow the promptings of the Spirit within our hearts. All the great spiritual writers really would say that, that God inspires us in our hearts, in our feelings, in our emotions. God leads us a certain way. God inspires us, and he wants us to follow those promptings. So our, I mean, there's so much more we could say, but it's just a brief little thing about how our emotions and our desires are important. Another great writer of the 20th century, Dr. Conrad Barr, said, treat your emotions the way we should treat our children. In other words, well, sometimes they're wrong, sometimes they're out of control, but they're still precious to us. They're so important, and we need to gently guide them along the right path. So yes, sometimes our emotions can be taking us in the wrong direction if they're advised or guided by sin. Sometimes, but, but still, we need to be gentle with them, gentle with ourselves, as the Lord is so very gentle with us as his children that he loves. So when Pope John Paul talks about these things, he talks about Adam and Eve, of course, a great deal in the theology of the body. And he speaks of how Adam, even if he doesn't actually say it in the Garden of Eden, Adam was not happy. Adam had emotions and desires that he was expressing in one form or another to the Lord. Imagine being in paradise and having everything. And yet still there's an incompletion because he had not yet created the woman. And so in Pope John Paul's commentaries, he says, the Lord read the desires of Adam's heart. The Lord put those desires there. So the Lord already knew what the answer was, and that was to create Eve. That was to create the woman, the crowning point of creation. We see in Genesis chapter 1 that male and female, God says, let us make them in our image. Male and female, he made them. Male and female together make up the image and likeness of God. One alone does not do it. God knew this. Adam didn't know it. Adam was new. Adam was in paradise. Adam tried to find a helpmate among all the different animals, but none of them would serve as a proper helpmate. So Adam had a desire for this in his heart. 
He didn't come straight out and say, Lord, give me a woman, give me a wife. But he expressed his longing within his heart. The Lord heard what was in his heart, and the Lord said, Yes. The Lord wants us to cooperate in the great gifts that he has to give us. And even Adam cooperated then in the creation of Eve. And so Eve was made. For each of us, there are desires within our hearts. Sometimes we follow them, sometimes too much, but sometimes we don't follow them at all. Sometimes we feel like we're doing something wrong because we do something that we want, because we do something occasionally that feels good. See, it's all about balance when it comes to talking about these things, understanding humanity as well as understanding spirituality and understanding theology. The Lord loves us. He loves the way that he made us. And so our emotions, our feelings are very much a part of this. People would sometimes go to confession and say, I've committed sins of anger. I've, I've, I've been angry. And the reality is, anger is an emotion. Anger can be good. There's such a thing as righteous anger. An emotion is not a sin. It's what we sometimes do with those emotions that can become sinful taking them to the far extreme. Of course, there's lots of great examples in history, but I think some of the best examples are among mothers. Mothers desire things within their hearts. We think about St. Monica, prayed for so many years for St. Augustine. It took time. She suffered, but the Lord granted her desires, granted her prayers, and look, her son became one of the great saints. I think of St. Rita with her sons. I mean, it's such a sad story, yet still it's a, an example of God answering prayers where she said within her heart, Lord, if my sons are destined to be criminals, please take them. And then they both got sick and they died. They were on the path towards becoming criminals, like their father had been before his conversion. Of course, she was devastated by the death of her sons, yet her prayer was answered. The Lord answers prayers, and both of these examples hearken back to Our Lady of Sorrows at the cross. There are so many great talks given on this, so many great books written about this, how Mary obtains for us the things that we ask more than anything because of her cooperation in our Lord's passion. He's the Savior, but she's his mother. She was there. She suffered with him. She didn't suffer for her own sins because she didn't have any. She suffered as an intercessory prayer and sacrifice for us. And so, once again, these desires and these emotions, they can add to our prayers. They can add to our good works. They can magnify them as Mary's did. They can make them more powerful. The Lord sometimes, I mean, I've read in great spiritual writers where when we place our tears behind our prayers. When we cry, when we are very emotional about what we are praying for, it makes our prayers more powerful. And sometimes we don't have to be begging for this or that. We don't have to be spelling out this or that, but just the fact that our desires are there, the fact that our emotions are behind it. Our emotions are part of the engine that runs this thing called a human being. The emotions are very much part of the human being. So we ask our Lord today to guide our emotions. We ask our Lord to guide our thoughts, guide our choices, guide our intellects, but also guide the way we feel. 
Help, dear Lord, our emotions to come in line with the things that you feel, the things that you consider good. Let us feel good about those things. When you feel that something is bad, let us feel bad about those things. And help us, dear Lord, to uh, to be in touch with the desires that you have placed within our hearts and to constantly be in contact with you about these desires because, Lord, you have shown us that you act through our humanity. You act through our desires as you did with the crippled man near the pool. He expressed to you his pain, and you immediately healed him. Lord, heal all of us. Lord Jesus, please heal the desires of our hearts.